Hello out there. This is The Local Lens, a podcast where we go inside one community's experience with the drug epidemic. This show is coming to you from Stanton, Kentucky, a small town nestled at the foothills of Appalachia. I'm your host, Nate Brooks, and today I have an absolute treat for you guys. I am joined on the show today by Mr. Scott Seitz, who at the time of the interview was a nurse practitioner at the Stanton Clinic. He's a Washington, D.C. boy, but he's been in Kentucky since the days of his college. Go Cats! So this guy has a wealth of experience that's coming from years of working around the addiction issue. So because of his job as a nurse, he initially focused on the physical side of health. But the longer he's been in this environment, the more he's realized that everything overlaps, everything plays together. So if the problem at hand is caused by a lot of different aspects, then our solution needs to also involve a lot of different aspects. And I would say that's good for an intro. Let's go on and get into the episode. Once again, this is The Local Lens. I'm your host, Nate Brooks. These are our people using our voices, telling our stories. Now let's go on and get into this with Mr. Seitz. I actually grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Um, I moved here 26 years ago. Uh, to go to school, had no intentions on staying in Kentucky, yeah. but Kentucky decided to keep me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sounds good. Where'd you go to school at? Uh, University of Kentucky. Okay, cool. Nice. So I graduated in 2001 with a master's in nursing uh, with a family practice nurse practitioner certificate. Okay, cool. And so what are you doing now here at the clinic? I'm a family practice nurse practitioner. Okay. So uh, I'm a husband of 32 years this year and uh, a father of three children that are now married. Uh, so I have six kids. Um, we are plugged into the community. My wife is a teacher. Um, my kids do a lot of volunteer work. Um, mm-hmm. So we're plugged in in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. I started in emergency medicine and focused on many of the specialties before getting into primary care about 10 years ago, not quite 10 years ago. Had no interest in doing primary care, but mm-hmm. uh, found that that was really where my calling was. How come? Um, it just seemed to be my fit. So very basically, when you're going into healthcare, you can either be a specialist or you can be in primary care. To be a specialist means you see people of one specific type of problem, but primary care means you're seeing a lot of people for a whole range of problems. So when did you start looking into the opioid crisis? So I have dabbled off and on um, with addictions uh, since I started as a nurse in the 1990s, okay. uh, I focused, uh, my biggest career was emergency medicine and um, trauma neurosurgical ICU. So I dealt with a lot of folks that had mm-hmm. uh, motor vehicle crashes and things like that. Several of them were from substance use. Mm-hmm. Um, saw a lot of substance use in the emergency department and the, the issues that came there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then got started um, working at the Hope Center at when it was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So I saw some substance abuse there and learned a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then was back in the emergency room again, was seeing it there and started realizing that this is a big deal. But mm-hmm. my primarily got started in the opiate addiction uh, area when I started working in a local jail. Okay. And I spent uh, six years in a local jail mm-hmm. and saw a lot of it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I said, this is where I really want to focus. Mm-hmm. And so for the last, oh, about 11 years, 10 or 11 years, I have really 
tried to stay involved in mm-hmm. one way or another, and I wear a couple of different hats uh, for that. Mm-hmm. I'm a medical director of an inpatient rehab center in Mount Sterling. Okay. So I deal with it firsthand in that regard. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a consultant for them, but I oversee that and, and try to work with the, the residents mm-hmm. um, on the side. So Mr. Seitz has a wealth of experience in this field. So over the years, he has noticed that it is a multifaceted problem with a lot of different parts adding to it. So I think it's multifaceted. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I think there's there's an economic or a money side mm-hmm. of things. I mm-hmm. think there is a mental health side of things. Okay. Um, I think that there tends to be a physical health side mm-hmm. of things. And then there's just the the overall situation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we continue to have a significant problem because in my perspective, many times we find a niche to -hmm. focus on to help the opioid epidemic, Mm -hmm. but we focus on that niche Mm -hmm. and it can't be a niche. It has to be everything to take the words of a, of a politician from many years ago. It takes a village Mm -hmm. to fix this. Yeah. You know, and excuse me. And I don't think that we often do that. Yeah. We, whatever aspect you, when somebody has an addiction issue and they enter the arena of addiction recovery, mm-hmm. oftentimes you focus on just one area. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think you need to be holistic and you look at everything. That's why I don't think incarcerating people that have issues with drugs is appropriate because mm-hmm. we lock them up. They do their time and we let them out and they go back to the same situation they had before mm-hmm. and they can't get a job and they can't do this out of the other. And so they are forced back into that situation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's a lot in there. Uh, I've seen that again coming from working in a community jail. Yeah. And then seeing what I see now. Um, was that something that drew you into working at the jail or was that something you found out once you got to the jail? I found out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was asked if I could help out because they needed somebody to provide medical services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the way my schedule worked, that would work for me. So I went down yeah. kind right. of a, as an interest and then, wow, this is quite something I enjoyed that. So I spent six years doing it on the side. Yeah. Nice. That's well, thank you for doing that. That's, um, so then what do you see? I guess your role is like working in the medical field. You would probably see yourself mostly in like the physical health part of it. Is that, would that be right? Do you think? Yes. But I also find that, um, and I think this is true of most primary care providers. Mm -hmm. You can't separate the physical medicine and the mental health medicine. Okay. And while we don't have a real model to put the two together all of the time, Mm -hmm. primary care providers have to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can separate mental health from physical health when you're talking about addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, they go hand in hand. And if you miss that, mm-hmm. there's an issue. And so sometimes our broken system doesn't allow us to do a good job at either side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I have folks that have addiction issues, or particularly with opiates, but any kind of addiction, mm-hmm. uh, I try to pull those together and explain that you are more than just a person. You've mm-hmm. got a, you know, a, a mind and you've got a body, you've got a spirit, and you've got to keep all of that together. And mm-hmm. if at any point there's a there's a break, no matter whether it's physical or mental or, or spiritual, then there's an issue, and that can lead you to some of those yeah problems. And then your role here um, at the clinic here in Stanton, like that puts you face to face with a lot of like um, patients, right? Yes. 
So how often are you giving that spiel then? Like trying to get people to see it that way? Probably a lot more than you'd think. Yeah. (laughs) Because I find that, you know, addiction issues are pervasive in Mm -hmm. all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And we probably all deal with somebody that has an addiction issue that we don't even realize. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there, there's a lot more out there. Now we're Mm -hmm. kind of focusing today on opiates, but there's a lot of other things that can lead people to addictions and then those addictions can lead to opiate use. Well, let's get, go down that then. Where are some of those things? So uh, any kind of depression, anxiety mm-hmm. kind of situation can cause that. Uh, any kind of health issue such as diabetes or COPD or um, um, musculoskeletal problems, they can all get you set up for mm-hmm. an addiction in, um, in the opiate world. Mm-hmm. You know, I would venture to say, and I don't know the numbers for it, but I would venture to say that the majority of people that have ended up having a dependency issue didn't start out wanting to have a dependency issue. They had a true medical issue that it tri- they got it on legitimate medicine to take care of a legitimate problem, and it triggered that light switch, so to speak, in the brain that then set that cascade of events off. Okay. Um, and then when you have that happen... And then you add in all of the other facets that are involved in addiction, such as the socioeconomic issues and mm-hmm. the mental health stuff, then you have a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of resentment towards like big pharma companies too, that, that kind of pump out the, like the heavy opiates. What do you see as like the primary care role and kind of managing that whole, uh, that's a big deal. Um, and yes, Big Pharma has a lot to do with that, but mm-hmm. I don't think Big Pharma is 100% the cause of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Big Pharma created medicine that met a need and mm-hmm. it took off. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's an argument about how they um, advertised those medicines and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so that economic side of things from that com- those companies mm-hmm. did create a big problem. But I also think that there was a time, and basically in the 80s and the 90s, when mm-hmm. pain became the sixth vital sign. Mm-hmm. And as uh, healthcare providers, we were required to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it was a, um, I don't want to say legislative, but it was kind of a governing body mm-hmm. forced to focus on that. Yeah. So we did what we thought we were doing and focused on that. And mm-hmm. now we realize that maybe that wasn't exactly the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, many uh, health-related issues have evolved over time. The yeah. way we took care of diabetes 40 years ago is not the way we take care of diabetes today. Mm-hmm. So I think the opioid epidemic has a foot to blame in the big pharma, but mm-hmm. I don't think big pharma is the only mm-hmm. part to blame. There's, like you said earlier, it's a, it's a big problem when Correct. all the things come together. Um, what are the other vital signs? So heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, oxygen saturation. Those are typically the standards. Height and weight are also mm-hmm. vital signs. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the typical ones. So this is interesting because you can measure somebody's heart rate or their height or weight. But what do you do about pain? How do you measure that? But then they said, you have to measure their pain. Mm-hmm. And we only focused on physical pain. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the mental pain? Mm-hmm. What about the socioeconomic pain? Mm-hmm. What about yeah. all of those others? We never focused on that. We were told yeah. to focus on 
physical pain because they felt that there was a paucity of people doing that. Mm -hmm. So let's dive down the the mental health side of it then too, because you're also dealing with people face to face, like all the time. How prevalent is the mental health side of things today? Do you think? So I would say that, and I never really try to quantify it, but I'd say probably half of the population that I take care of has some form of a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it doesn't cause them problems in life, but Mm -hmm. I think most of us have some form of a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And then we learn to manage that and we learn to adapt. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I hate to say it, but we all get into a rut and we live our lives in a rut, so to speak. We set our boundaries and we kind of live that way. Mm -hmm. And if you get knocked off in any way, Mm -hmm. you got to regroup and some people can do that and some people can't mm-hmm. or some people never can get into a good groove because there's so much mental health issues that mm-hmm. they can't really find their their way. Mm-hmm. So I do find that a lot of addiction has deep rooted mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a gentleman out of the jail into my own home to help him uh, and we'll call him Thomas. And Thomas um, looked at me one time when he was at home and cause I asked him, I said, what got you started in all of this and why are you struggling with this? And he looked at me and he said, I just want to be normal. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's normal? Cause I can't even <laughs> define normal. Yeah. And he said, I don't know, but it's not me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that was poignant because he couldn't define it, mm-hmm. but he just knew the way he thought mm-hmm. he was not normal. Mm-hmm. And when he used drugs, he was normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we tried to get him mental health help, our mental health system is definitely broken. um, And it wasn't easy to reverse. And then you put this person into a room with somebody that he doesn't even know who's there to help him. But then he has to be open and honest and talk about his feelings, which he doesn't really know to begin with. Mm -hmm. And he's in an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens more often than not, which is why people don't get Mm -hmm. mental health help. Mm -hmm. So then when they come to the primary care provider, that's kind of key for us because we have to build that relationship. And now we got to take on the mental health side of things. We're not Mm -hmm. mental health experts, but we got to work with that. Mm -hmm. And so you build those trusting relationships and then you start opening boxes of avenues that you're going to have to care for. Mm-hmm. And that's how oftentimes I find that people have addiction issues. I've got patients that I've taken care of for a long time, had no clue that they had addiction issues until finally broke the ice. Yeah. And finally got to that point where it's either been too much for them to handle mm-hmm. um, or some other thing happened that we were able to to uncover that. Yeah. What, what does that kind of look like when somebody has an addiction issue? not realizing it and then they realize it what is what's that it depends i mean sometimes that happens because of a legal issue or a money issue you know if you wreck your car and you have a dui now all of a sudden you got a legal and a money issue that's forced you to understand that you've got this Mm -hmm. so then you look at it one way others Mm -hmm. might be um especially for opiates where they've overdosed or something and now all of a sudden they're facing hey i've got this problem Mm -hmm. Uh, other people feel like they don't really have much of a problem and they handle it and they handle it and they handle it. And Mm -hmm. the next thing you know, it's getting worse and worse. And now they're not showing up for work. They're getting, Mm -hmm. um, 
demerits or whatever from work. Mm-hmm. Work is starting to say, hey, your performance is slacking. Mm-hmm. So then they come in here and they're complaining of depression or I've got no motivation. I'm concerned I'm sick, that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you find this addiction issue mm-hmm. and then you have to address it. And sometimes people take it and sometimes they don't. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, and again, it's one of those things where you, the provider has to be able to make that relationship so that they can trust, so that they can decide how best to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always go back to Thomas because he said I wasn't normal and he didn't know how to define that. Mm-hmm. And so I always remember that when I'm talking to patients and I actually share that with them a lot to say, mm-hmm. it's okay not to know. Mm-hmm. Let's take that not know and see what else we can do with it. Yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. So, so what do you think would be some steps like, that we could all start taking um, so that it doesn't come to the point where like we're finding out about our mental health issues when talking to our primary care provider, like in for a physical checkup or something. Well, I just wish that everybody would look at mental health like they do everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if I want to side my house, I could probably find a way to put siding on my house. Yeah. <laughs> is that my profession? No. Am I going to do a good job? Maybe I could ultimately get a good job, but mm-hmm. I'm going to have to Google this or YouTube this, or I'm going to have to go looking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask other people. Mm-hmm. Mental health is the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not know. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We don't have to hide behind that. But in America, we have a stigma with mental health. Mm-hmm. And people basically interpret themselves as crazy Mm -hmm. if they have a mental health issue. So they're not going to go out and look for help. Mm -hmm. And that's really not a good thing. No, I would agree. You know, we really need to say, hey, folks, we are a multifaceted being. Mm -hmm. And we have a mind and we can think. And Mm -hmm. we have a spirit, no matter how you feel spiritually connected. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a, a devout Christian, but... Mm-hmm. That uh, you don't have to believe what I believe to know that there is actually something else out there, and a spirit is part mm-hmm. of your being. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your physical being. You think about if if you've ever sprained your ankle, mm-hmm. the first day or two that really hurts. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to walk and and continue to work or whatever, that pain is really there. So it really sets your day. You're not going to have as good a day as you did without a sprained ankle. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and that mental health pain can be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that can be kind of a, a thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get to that next level. It's hard to get to that next day. It's hard to get to that next um, task or whatever mm-hmm. because it's constantly a pain there. And if we can accept the fact that that's a normal thing mm-hmm. and there are lots of different ways to make that happen mm-hmm. and take away the stigma of it, mm-hmm. I think more people would, would find happiness and, and, mm-hmm. and less problems. Yeah. So I think, I think we've got a lot of work to do in mental health, mm-hmm. but it's going to back to my taking of the, the politician. It's going to take a village and it, it's going to take a lot of people to help mental health, mm-hmm. which will then help the opiate and any mm-hmm. other, you know, alcohol is also a really big issue mm-hmm. out there that we don't talk about as much as we do opiates right mm-hmm. now, but it's out there. It's pervasive. Um, if we could get the mental health folks that are doing the care out there, if mm-hmm. we can get them, get more of them 
and mm-hmm. support them better, if we could integrate them and make them teams with primary mm-hmm. care providers and stuff like that, I think that that would help. But also the community, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have yet to meet anybody in, in my entire professional career that has not had their lives touched by addiction mm-hmm. or some form of mental health in one way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But yet we don't have that out in the community. We've got people attacking the problem, mm-hmm. but we don't have, at least in my perspective, we don't have um, teams coming together to make everybody work together as mm-hmm. a team to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You can't just separate out these problems because mm-hmm. they're all one. And I think that's yeah one of the areas we got to focus on. It sounds like you have a, a mantra set for yourself. Like you have everything comes together as one. Like I, I like imagine like five fingers is one fist. It yeah. It packs a much meaner punch. Than, exactly. Yeah. Was there any one specific event that kind of pointed you towards the opiates or, or like not even opiate, but like addiction, dealing with addiction? Or was so it more just your like exposure to it? I think my exposure is what got me interested in it. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I was um, a youth group leader and a scout leader for a long time. And mm-hmm. when uh, young people uh, recognize something, I used to call it the aha moment. Mm-hmm. When, I, when a kid went, aha, Mr. Seitz, I got it now. Yeah. I, you know, that was really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody who is struggling with addictions gets sober and they say, aha, I got it mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a new life. That's really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why I stay involved with it. That's why I, I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think, uh, uh organizations like, uh, celebrate recovery are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrate recovery is not just about opiates. It's about recovering from any mm-hmm. form of addiction. Yeah. Um, and you know, people don't stop and think, but we have eating addictions and we have gambling addictions and we have pornography addictions. And we, I mean, there's a lot of addiction out there that we just don't even address. We just think about opiates or alcohol, mm-hmm. and, but there's a lot of others. Yeah. Um, so that's one one avenue. Uh, I I love Spark Special People uh, um, advocating, advocating recovery for yeah. Kentucky because mm-hmm. because those guys come from lots of different community mm-hmm. areas and they put together a great program and help people. They lift mm-hmm. them up and meet the needs to try to say, hey, mm-hmm. there is a, a better life. You can do that. And yeah. so I see lots of that happening, and that excites me because. When somebody gets sober mm-hmm. and somebody finds that new life, mm-hmm. that aha moment, it's mm-hmm. quite something. But you know what's special about Spark? What? It's not anybody special. I mean, they're special people, mm-hmm. but they're not scientists. They're not. Yeah. It's common mm-hmm. everyday people from mm-hmm. the community that have a uh, have a um, interest in this. Mm-hmm. Because they see it from all of the different facets. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a provider like me mm-hmm. to do that. It, anybody can get involved in Spark. Mm-hmm. Because if you're willing to open your front door, so to speak, and look out, you're going to find addiction. You're going to mm-hmm. find people in need. And, you know, when, when I was a little boy... I would go to visit my grandparents and we could walk downtown in the little town that they lived in. And if we wanted to go into a church, we could go into a church and sit and pray because the church was open and unlocked and inviting. Mm-hmm. 
there was a freedom that we don't typically have now and people don't talk to people anymore and we isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. We got to take that away. We've got to look outside our doors. Mm -hmm. And that's what Spark does. They are, they're out there for anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. And they meet the needs no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to get sober and you're running into a wall, it's going to be hard mm -hmm. to continue to push through. So mm -hmm. if there's a way to help get some of those needs met, mm -hmm. There you go. And Spark does that. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's everyday people. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So this connection between Spark and Mr. Seitz in his primary care is very interesting to me because the two honestly approach handling their patients very similarly. They both sit down face to face in front of their client and they just talk to them and figure out what it is exactly that they need. And then they send them on to the specialist. So the difference between the two lies in Scott working with people and their health, where Spark Ministries works for people in recovery specifically. Yeah. Do you do much pointing people to Spark? For Absolutely. And, yeah. and we share back and forth. I help. Mm -hmm. I'm a consultant for her. Janelle knows she can pick up the mm -hmm. phone and call me or anybody from Spark can pick up the phone and call me and I'll help them over the phone the best okay. I can. Cool. Uh, if there's a need that somebody has for primary care, I will help them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a schedule. I have a business that I have to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, but I will find ways to get patients in when they have a need like mm -hmm. that. Because yeah. waiting two weeks to get in when you're trying to fix it now mm -hmm. in, in addiction and in recovery is not something that's possible. Yeah. You've got to meet that need now. Mm -hmm. So they have that. They've got my phone number. They can call me and say, hey, I've got a need. Mm -hmm. And we make that happen. So when you're working in this field, as long as Mr. Seitz has, you end up being full of opinions and thoughts on the whole issue. But unfortunately, we're moving towards the end of our episode. So let's get into some closing remarks. It seems like you have a personal philosophy that like everything works together and people need to work together. And that's, is that, would you say that's, that's it. pretty close? In a, yeah. in, a, in a thimble. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it does take a group of people to help. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it starts with the individual, mm -hmm. but sometimes in addiction, they can't see that, which is why Casey's law is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also, it also takes the entire family. You mm -hmm. can't just get somebody in addiction mm -hmm. treatment. Mm -hmm. Their family needs to be treated too. The family needs to understand what's going on and why they have those problems. Yeah. Because more often than not, the love we have for a loved one can be enabling mm -hmm. and we can't do that. We've got to be, and I, I hate the term tough love, but that's what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be disciplined. And sometimes at, when you're the one that's being the, the one to give the love, sometimes that's hard. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to support the family. We need to support the, the person and we need to come from a holistic approach. It's mm -hmm. not just a medical problem, not mm -hmm. just a, a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. It's a human problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how we got to focus on. So we really do need a holistic approach to this. Unless we fully address the physical and mental health aspects of things, then we're going to keep just having more problems in general, even outside of just addiction. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode, though. And you're very lucky for that because I could go on a three-day-long rant about how we need to pay more attention to our health in general. 
Well, anyways, thank you, Mr. Sides, for being on our show with us. I appreciate your insight. I love your approach to this. I think that a lot of people could copy that approach and use it in a lot of aspects of our lives. I would also like to thank WSKV for broadcasting our show for us and also to the Powell County Health Department for letting there be a show in the first place. And also thanks to Kentucky Rio for sponsoring the show even further and letting it continue on. Well, that's about all I've got for you guys today. Be sure you go back and listen to some of our old episodes and keep tuning in to hear the new ones. This is The Local Lens. I'm your host, Nate Brooks. And these are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do.